Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. As a student of grace, you might be trying to check out at this point, or you might be starting to really debate the whole thing at this point, and you're saying, no, 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 it's supposed to be all of God and none of me. And on one hand, I agree with you, but it is also at this point that I would tell you that somewhere along the line, you missed the full understanding of your personal responsibility to grace. That when grace is given to you as a believer, you now have a responsibility within that grace. The grace of God fully impacts one's life and salvation. No one can come to God on their own apart from God's initiating action. Not only is this amazing, Pastor David also encourages us today to consider how God's grace continues to be active in our lives after salvation. Christians are called to run this race of life by faith which requires responsibility working within the power of God. It takes responsibility on the part of the Christian to continually turn toward the ever-present love of God. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Patience in Ministry. So, in thinking about it, what's your patience level? Your patience level. I, I joke around sometimes about the fact that actually my middle name is Patience. Problem is my first name is No. So uh, very, very short uh, lined in a lot of times in, in Patience. How do you respond to someone that either messes up continually or attacks you? continually. I think it'd be safe to say that probably each one of us that are here tonight has a certain patience level that can and is pushed from time to time. Say you might be a parent of a school-aged child. Your patience level is pushed at times. Perhaps you're a teacher. Your patience level is pushed quite often. Maybe you're in law enforcement in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Your patience can be pushed uh, uh, an extremely... Maybe you're married. Your patience level is pushed quite a bit. Maybe you're serving in a ministry position somehow, some way, some shape, form, or fashion. Your patience level is pushed at times. Perhaps you're just simply living life in this present world, and patience is pushed at different times. Each of us has a certain patience level that can and is pushed, sometimes very much to the max. Sometimes our patience level is pushed more than other times. Amen? Only three of you. Uh, So that's not bad. So 
our patience level, I mean, some days we can go along and not, not a big deal, and then there's other days it just seems like everything that goes on is like pushing that level one step again closer to, okay, that's it, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm, something's going to have to happen here. Something's got to break or, or I'm going to be broken. Well, in dealing with the church at Corinth, Paul demonstrates his whole idea of this continued patience, this patience and long-suffering. He demonstrated this continual, growing, experiential knowledge of what it meant to be patient in long-suffering. It was happening to him on a regular basis. And as we've already looked in 2 Corinthians, which is where we're at, as we've been studying both 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, we've already seen that Corinth, not unlike any other church of its time nor even of our time, it's a church that had issues, it had personality conflicts, it had battles, it had victories, of course, through all of it. On one day, you can look at them and you say, wow, they are really a shining star for the kingdom of God. And then the next day, you wonder, man, do they even know God at all? Just because of the way that the the actions, the events that were going on in that church. And I think not only can we look at Corinth that way, but I think we can look at ourselves that way as a ministry. And let's be honest with ourselves, sometimes even personally, amen? Boy, you guys are a lively crew tonight. Okay, No more Mexican food for you guys. Okay. The fact is, is there are days. Amen? Amen. Yeah, there are days that your patience is being pushed. If you don't have that, I have that. So pray for me, okay? The situation, just situation of life, situation of marriage, situations of ministry, situation with children, grandchildren, situation of finances, situation of time schedules, all these kinds of things work and move at our patience level. For Paul, in dealing with the church of Corinth, as we've shared, man, all of these things going on, all of these attacks going on against Paul, uh, Paul trying to minister to this church, sometimes there with them, sometimes from a distance with the letters that he writes, sometimes just by word of mouth with individuals, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so the frustration, I think, probably hit the level every once in a while. Remember, as we've looked through this, Paul was, was a man not unlike you know, every other man. He had issues. God dealt with him powerfully. There's no doubt about it. God dealt through him powerfully. There's no doubt about that. But we're now in the seventh chapter of 2 Corinthians. I invite you to take your Bibles with you. Turn to, or take your Bibles, turn to chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians. And we're going to look there and see what the Word speaks to us. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, once again, the chapter breaks make it a little difficult to pull together the completeness of what Paul is really speaking about here. He begins chapter 7 in verse 1 with the phrase, "...therefore having these promises." So it's kind of difficult to start right at chapter 7 unless you know what chapter 6 said, or at least the end portion of chapter 6. We need to back up again a little bit to better understand what his whole thought process here is and where he's going to go with the statements that are going to follow. So let's begin our study tonight 
2 Corinthians, but in chapter 6, I'm only going to back up a couple of verses to, to verse 14, and this is where Paul is warning them about do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, we shared about this last week, so I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but remember, I shared with you that it involves our marriages, our businesses, and our friendships, not being unequally or to not be unequally yoked with non-believers. In each one of these, each one of these, our marriages, our businesses, our friendships, if we're bound together like two oxen under the constraints of a yoke, if one wants to go one direction and one wants to go another direction, guess what? They don't get anywhere. And that's the problem with being unequally yoked. This doesn't deal with our interactions with non-believers. It deals with that kind of a commitment because with non-believers, we, we need to interact with their lives in order that we can be salt and light. We need to, again, impact them for the hope of the gospel. But there is a great danger in being harnessed together or yoked together with non-believers, particularly in these areas of marriage, business, or even friendships. To be a friend with a non-believer? Absolutely. But you better not have a bondage there that's going to put you in a predicament or in a situation where you need to compromise your walk. We just need to be careful of that. This is all tied together in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 6. At the end of chapter 6 there, where Paul quotes from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Zechariah, all four of them have a, a portion of what Paul shares here in those two verses. He says, Come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The promises that Paul speaks about in verse 1 of chapter 7 is that we forsake the things of this world, verses 17 of 18 and 18 of chapter 6, forsaking the things of this world, that's repentance, that we have a heart of repentance, and that we seek after the Lord. In other words, to follow Christ in fullness of faith. God then promises, then I'll be a father to you. I won't be your judge. We'll become his sons and daughters rather, be, rather than being listed as the sons of disobedience, waiting for the wrath of God at the end of days. If these promises are true, if they are ours in our lives, how then should we live? If we receive these promises that I'm going to be his son or his daughter, if I'm going to receive his promise that he's going to be my father, not my judge, how should I live as an individual? That, I believe, is what Paul begins to answer here in chapter 7, verse 1. Look at what he says here, verse 1, chapter 7. Therefore, having these promises, which promises? Well, the fact that if you forsake all this stuff, you repent, you cling unto him, he'll be your father, you'll be his sons and his daughters. If we, since we have those promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I don't know if you see that or not, 
But that right there, just in that verse, is a mouthful. And there's a tremendous amount right there, and we're going to spend some time on there as we look. Actually, there's, there's three different facets of what Paul is speaking here. Each one of them is connected, and yet each one is particular unto itself. Two of these is what you might consider in a negative sense, that cleansing, that doing away with the filthiness of the flesh and the cleansing of the filthiness of the spirit, kind of in a negative sense, getting rid of those things. But the third one is more of a positive sense, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And this is his call, not to just those that are going to be in the ministry, not to those that are going to serve as pastors or elders or teachers. Beloved, this, this is a call for anybody who claims these promises that he speaks there at the end of chapter 6. You want God to be your father? You want to be his sons and his daughters? Then you need to cleanse yourself of all filthiness of the flesh, the filthiness of the spirit, and you need to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Each of those different and distinctive, and yet each one of them streaming from the same and actually perhaps a kind of a surprising source. I say surprising because perhaps for those, that some of you that might be here, you might have a real shallow understanding of what grace is. What's the source that I'm speaking of, this this surprising source? Paul says, let us cleanse ourselves. What's the source of cleansing out the filthiness of the flesh, the filthiness of the spirit, and perfecting holiness? What does it say there, church? Ourselves. Now, As a student of grace, you might be trying to check out at this point, or you might be starting to really debate the whole thing at this point, and you're saying, no, 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 it's supposed to be all of God and none of me. And on one hand, I agree with you, but it is also at this point that I would tell you that somewhere along the line, you missed the full understanding of your personal responsibility to grace that when grace is given to you as a believer, you now have a responsibility within that grace. I'm not saved by works of righteousness that I've done. It's according to his mercy that he saved me. Again, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. But then we are called what? His workmanship. So you see there is a responsibility that you and I have once we receive grace in our lives. It's because it is by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man boast, that we have this great responsibility to the provider of that amazing grace to, as Paul tells the Ephesian church, to walk worthy of the manner in which you've been called. You and I have a responsibility in grace. We can't just say, hey, by grace that I'm saved, and the rest of the time, man, I'm just skating along. No, there's a responsibility. And do you know that that the Roman Catholic Church, by and large, looks at evangelicals with that kind of concept? 
They say that they're saved only by grace, and so they just say these little magic prayers, and boom, they're done, and there's, there's nothing of works, there's nothing of commitment that way. By and large, many of your Catholic friends might believe that that's what you believe. The unfortunate thing, there's many within the evangelical church that believe that exact thing. Wow, I said this little prayer at Vacation Bible School back when I was 12. I'm now, you know, 52, and has it changed your life? Is it really and truly a growing passion for the things of God in your life? Has the old things passed away? I said, hey, I was only 12. I didn't have that much old things. But what I'm saying is, are you looking for the things of God in your life, or are you just going through the motions? Again, we have a responsibility as the sons and the daughters of Almighty God. Responsibilities in the choices that we make, the actions that we take, the responses we move upon, and the paths that we follow. That is a responsibility of choices that you and I have to be making daily and more often than not, it's on a continual basis throughout the day. We, as the sons and daughters of God, have a responsibility to listen for to actively listen for, and when the Spirit of God says, here's the way, walk you in it, that then we are responsible to respond to that wooing, that again, we either turn to the right or to the left, or we keep forward in the path that he's calling. It is your and my responsibility to actively, actively listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit. How does he speak to us? He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through godly counsel. He speaks to us, again, just in the quiet times before him and allowing his spirit to speak into our spirit to give us direction and clarity, all in the balance of his word. We have that responsibility to choose this day who we're going to follow. We have that responsibility this day either to choose life or to choose death. And that life and death is, again, built within the choices that we make. We have a responsibility before God, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, to lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that's set before us. Lord, if you want me to run with endurance in this race, you need to give me a little cart and you need to be pushing me. That's not what it says. It says you and I are responsible to run that race. And I know that in that race, some are further along than others. Some have, man, it's like steeplechase endurance races, like, you know, the Ironman kind of a thing. I, I look at the lives, I go, whoa. We don't know what race we have before us usually. And your race isn't my race, and your race isn't mine, and it's not his. And we each have our own individual race. But, beloved, we are called to run the race that God has given each one of us with endurance. Now, some of us might be like Peter, and we say, yeah, but what about John? I mean, his race is a whole lot easier than mine. And what did the Lord tell Peter? He says, you don't worry about John. You don't worry about so-and-so in their life and -and so-and-so in your life. You worry about your life and where you're at, what your race is called to be. We, 
you and me together because, because grace has been given to us as a free gift, given to us without any merit on our own part. While we were yet still sinners, we have a responsibility even in our own thoughts. Even in our own thoughts. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, we're to meditate on these things. You know what? That's, that's a call of God in each one of our lives. I don't, I don't, I don't like, man, I, I listen to such and such a news broadcast all day, and man, by the end of the day, I'm so angry, I'm so frustrated. You know what? You need to shut the news off. You need to shut the news off. You need to quiet your spirit and allow God to speak to your spirit. I see so many believers get so upset about temporary things. Now, I know there's some important things going on in the world, but beloved, remember, those are all temporary. You cannot be controlled by those things, and way too many believers are. Our responsibility as sons and daughters of our Father is to live our lives in such a way that, man, we are purging ourselves of the filthiness of the flesh, the filthiness of the Spirit, and we are perfecting holiness within our lives. As one writer put it, how can those who expect God to purify their hearts, who are continually indulging their eyes, their ears, and their hands in what is forbidden and in what tends to increase and bring into action all the evil propensities of the soul. And again, Lord, give me a pure heart and a pure mind. Whoa, did you see that? And man, I want some of that. And man, I'm over here and I'm over there. But Lord, give me a a, a pure heart and a pure mind. But I'm not really working it myself. I'm allowing my heart, my mind, my eyes, my ears to be drugged into all kinds of things within the world. But yes, I would be the first one to agree. We can't do this on our own. None of us have the the power or the ability in and of ourselves. We cannot do it on our own, but beloved, you need to understand, neither will the Lord do it all for you. I I remember, man, when I was about a 17-year-old kid and I was struggling with a lot of things that 17-year-old kids struggle with, not that older Guys don't struggle with things like this too. But I remember one night just pulling out and, and man away from the town. It was just dark and pulling and literally got in an argument with God. God, change my heart, change my life. I wanted him to wave a magic wand over me and take care of all my fleshly desires. But you know what? That's not how God works. God says, no, you need to determine. You need to set boundaries. You need to be like Job. You know, put, man, I, I, put, I put blinders on my eyes and I wouldn't look at a young maid. There needs to be those determinations, those, those places in our lives. Man, I'm not, I'm not going to be jealous for that. I'm not going to have greed for that. No, I, I don't need that. I'm surrendering those things. Why should I get angry about this situation over there when I have absolutely no authority, no ability to change it? All it's doing is eating me up. Oh, Lord, wave a magic wand over me? No, he's not going to do that. He calls for you and I to make the decisions toward 
holiness. It is a combined work of the drive and the desire of our hearts accompanied with the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us that's going to allow that process to take place. And guess what? It doesn't happen overnight. We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a church home and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. When we began The Open Word radio ministry, our heart's desire was to get the message of God's kingdom and His grace to as many as possible. We knew that there'd be many who wouldn't come through the church door, but would perhaps tune into a radio program and be challenged and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the teaching of God's Word. God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. And yet, as with any ministry endeavor, there are expenses that happen through the production and distribution of these messages. If God has blessed you with the teaching, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us in a financial commitment to the ministry of The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help the message of God's grace extend and grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word. Make us more and more.